This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast, the Broncos have won four in a row. How? If you take the football away more than you give it away, you oftentimes have a much better chance at winning. The Buffs have lost five in a row. Where do they go from here? Drew is weighing in on the Carissa Thompson controversy. And it's part one of Drew's conversation with DMAT. Talking shop, fatherhood, the Broncos' sudden turnaround, and sudden unexpected career change. I think there's anxiety that goes along with change, period, because this is a tough business that we've chosen. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast. Hey, welcome in, uh, everybody. We're doing this on video. It's unbelievable. I didn't know you could do such things. Trying to progress slowly, make steps forward. Welcome to my home office. Uh, we're going to check this out once in a while. Uh, a little bit later on, DMAC is going to join me, and we're going to talk uh, business and everything that's been going on in his life as he has had uh, a whirlwind last uh, four, five, six weeks. We'll get to DMAC uh, in a little bit. But first, I want to talk about... Uh, our presenting sponsor since day one. This is show number 229. Welcome in officially, everybody. Steel has been with us since day one. Love those guys at Steel. Love their products. So I thought I'd bring a toy out for you. You know what this is? This is really cool. This is a handheld steel chainsaw. That's right. You bring this camping. Dead wood on the ground. You're trying to build a fire. Here you go. It's battery operated. This thing is unbelievable. It is a great product, the GTA 26, and you know what? It's on sale right now, and many other handheld products are on sale right now at Steel. Go to Steel, see there, S-T-I-H-L, S-T-I-H-L, SteelUSA.com, and you can peruse and find uh, what you like. Treat yourself to a holiday gift. It's steeldealers.com. That's where you can pick them up, more than 10,000 around the country. That's uh, S-T-I-H-L, steeldealers.com. Love my steel products. I was going to bring out the blower, but that takes up so much room. I've been using it a lot to uh, clear out leaves. But uh, next week, maybe I'll uh, feature a different product as well. But uh, go check them out. I'm wearing my new, this is a new City Connect uh, Rocky shirt, fresh off Fantasy Camp. Love it. Love those City Connect uh, colors, so a uh, big shout-out there to Fantasy Camp as well. All right, we'll start in football. Last night, the Broncos beat the Minnesota Vikings in come-from-behind fashion to improve to 5-5. Five and five. Raise your hand if you didn't think there was any way in the world the 23 season after the first three weeks would see the Broncos anywhere close to 5-5 five and five or anywhere close to 500 at any point in time. All right, there's no way. But the Broncos are five and five. They were 0 3, and in their third game of the year, they gave up 70 points, and it would have been more if the head coach of the Dolphins didn't grow up in Denver and was a ball boy for the Broncos. That's how bad it was. And speaking of that defense, Vance Joseph deserves credit. The whole unit deserves credit. They gave up some, some yards on the ground, but they keep taking the football away. And in the world of football, at any level, coaches will repeat this until the cows come home. The number one stat in the sport is turnover ratio. If you take the football away more than you give it away, you oftentimes have a much, much, much better chance at winning. The Broncos last night, plus three. 
plus three in turnover ratio. Russell Wilson didn't turn it over, and the Broncos, because of those three turnovers gained, ended up winning the football game that late drive. The other thing you hear, coaching cliche 101, football coaching cliche 101, is we need some players, some of our best players, to make plays at critical times. Well, Cortland Sutton unquestionably is one of the Broncos' best players, and he made two huge plays down the stretch on that final drive. That that one-handed diving catch, remarkable, and then the high-point catch in the end zone on a really good throw by Russell Wilson. Wilson bought some time and put it where only one guy could catch it, and that was his 6'4", super athletic wideout, Cortland Sutton. He high-pointed the football, and the Broncos took the lead. The Broncos held on, and they won. And they're getting really good performances defensively now. I think it starts in the back end with Justin Simmons, Pat Sertan. I mean, those guys have been great. They're getting pressure with Benito and Cooper. The inside backers, Singleton and Jewell, have been very good. Allen uh, on the defensive line has been really good. And, yeah, they gave up some yards rushing last week, but they're keeping the Broncos in games. And Russell Wilson is is certainly doing enough uh, to win. And I know he's been an easy target. We discussed that last week. But the Broncos are now 5-5. Five and five. And I never thought we'd be talking about playoffs after the first few weeks of the season, nor did you, uh, but it's a possibility. They're going to have a tough one this week with Cleveland. It's going to be like a, a black and blue division game, 13-10. Cleveland's defense is extraordinary. They can really pressure the quarterback. They're great, but they're on their number two quarterback. Not a lot of points are going to be scored, but if the Broncos can find a way to get in the postseason, you never know. They're not a Super Bowl championship caliber team. I don't think anybody believes that. But all of a sudden, you're going to want to watch each weekend as opposed to finding something else to do for three hours on a Sunday afternoon or on a Sunday evening, as the case was last night. So congrats uh, you know, to the Broncos for getting the job done and, and making this season relevant again. Staying in the world of football, we always gravitate to the University of Colorado, and boy, have things changed. You talk about things changing for the Broncos after the first three weeks. Well, the Buffs after the first three weeks, as you well know, they were 3-0. and They were not only the talk of college football, they were the talk of sports, period. They were the number one sports story in September in the world of sports. And I challenge you to find a, a, a more compelling story than what had occurred in Boulder with Coach Prime, the victories over TCU, the uh, victory over Nebraska with the big second half, and the come-from-behind victory over their rivals, Colorado State. And then things changed. And they got humbled last week at Washington State in Pullman. They were embarrassed in Pullman. And they got a slice of humble pie. They've now lost seven of eight, and that loss in Pullman eliminated any possibility of the bus going to a bowl game, which seemed to be, after the first three weeks of the season, a fate to complete. So how do you look at this season for the Buffs with one game to go in Salt Lake City against Utah? 
a team that will be a decided favorite against Colorado. Do you look at it as, well, they won one game last year and they were horrendous, so it was a nice improvement? I would I would concur. Um, they're they're relevant now. They are on the radar of high school players. They're on the radar of folks that are going to land in the portal. But they need to make a significant stride again next year because one thing they did not do this year, they got on the radar, but you want to see teams, especially teams with new talent, continue to ascend, continue to improve. And I don't think we saw that. I think they played their best football early, and now they've muddled their way through the season. They were in games. I don't want to make it seem like it was a disaster. Saturday was a disaster. Or excuse me, Friday was a disaster in Pullman, Washington. Uh, but they haven't gotten better each week. And I think it's fair to say that what we learned from Coach Prime is um, he's a magnet. Um, he is a guy that has drawn a great deal of interest from young people. And he can get into virtually any home in the country. But the second part is you got to win. We have a short attention span, shorter than ever before. The window to provide and produce success is smaller than ever. What have you done for me lately? And so this year is really the tale of, uh, of two teams, one that got off to this fabulous start and garnered understandably national attention, and then the one that got a huge dose of humble pie. So where do you go from here? And I don't think you can just go in the portal. I understand that Dion had a lot of success going in the portal, but I will caution you or make at least this analogy. I'm going to tell a story that an old friend of mine told me, an old partner of mine, a guy I worked with on college football uh, about 20 years ago for several years, Artie Gigantino, who uh, most notably was a defensive coordinator back in the day with USC. He was a great recruiter, recruited Junior Seau to Southern Cal, and then he went on and had a, a career as an executive with uh, Al Davis and the uh, Oakland Raiders. And he used to say about junior college players that you have to be careful with JUCO players. Now, before folks out there who went to a junior college or played junior college ball of some kind gets all up in arms about what already related to me, this is not painting with a broad brush. It is just an analogy. Because sometimes what I'm about to say, which again, already said, is true. Remember one time we were sitting in a coach's office and we were waiting for that coach to come in. He got up on the blackboard. It wasn't even a grease board then. And with chalk flying, he said, you know what the problem sometimes with junior college players? He said, number one, he circled it. He said, number one, bad athlete. That's why they're at a junior college. No four-year school wanted them out of high school. And he said, number two, bad student. Couldn't get into a four-year school because they didn't take care of business uh, in high school academically. And then he said, number three, circled that, 
and violently with his chalk, he said, bad guy, bad character. People don't want him because of whatever they had done in the past. And he said, you know what all of that is? And he circled the whole thing, all three items. He said, baggage. Now, again, broad stroke, big paintbrush. That's not the case across the board or even close to it. But with the portal, there's a reason guys are in the portal. It's not like, hey, everything's great here at uh, Alabama, but I want to see what life's like in Boulder. Everything's great here in Baton Rouge, but I want to see what life is like in Boulder. Are there good players that enter the portal? Absolutely. But there's always a reason. Not getting playing time? Why aren't they getting playing time? Didn't get along with the coach. Why didn't they get along with the coach? There's valid reasons that players end up in the portal. And as I said, there's some really good players that end up in the portal. But you can't be solely reliant on the portal. And right now, Colorado has a very small high school class for 2024. And I know there's been one or two defections. Pressure's going to be on Coach Prime because other coaches, they all recruit against each other. They will intimate or flat out articulate that, well, how long you want to go to Colorado? How long is Dion going to be there once Shador Sanders and Shiloh Sanders and Travis Hunter are no longer in Boulder and they're in the NFL? That will be brought up. I guarantee it's always brought up right now. So next year, Colorado in a new conference, and this will benefit them because the Pac-12 is loaded. The new conference, the Big 12, their old conference, will be devoid of the University of Texas and the University of Oklahoma. That is very helpful in year one for Colorado. It is not the gauntlet. There's some good teams there, but it's not the gauntlet of teams in the Pac-12. And it's not just about getting to bowl eligibility next year for Colorado, winning six games. They have to win, in my estimation, eight or more. Remember what I said. It's about what have you done for me lately. Staying in um, football, so to speak, the major sports news story last week was what a former colleague of mine said on a podcast, Carissa Thompson. Worked with Carissa in 2006 and 2007, primarily uh, on Rocky's broadcasts when she uh, came to us from Los Angeles um, as, uh, as a young and very hardworking um, person embarking on an on-air career. And she did fabulously well with us. And in the interest of what I'm about to say, um, though we you know, hadn't talked a ton um, over the years, I consider her a friend. We kind of reconnected a little bit this summer. Um, I have great respect for Carissa and all that she's accomplished. She deserves everything she's accomplished. And she's become a star in our business and gone beyond sports with Entertainment Tonight. Um, she's really, really good, and she's busted her ass. She made a big mistake this past week. She said on the podcast, and I'm sure you're aware, that there was a time or two that with a sideline interview when she couldn't get the coach, she basically made up um, a sideline hit. And wrong. And I think if she had to do it over again, <laughs> no question, she apologized and said I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, you know, not only wouldn't have said that, 
But I, I really think, and I'm not trying to speak for her, and I understand why so many people, particularly women who perform sideline duties, were aghast at what she said, offended by what she said, um, irate at what she said, because it made it look like what they do was, you know, willy-nilly, anybody could do it. And, and more importantly, if they don't have a story, they'll just make one up. And I think people who are smart realize that's not the case. That's never the case. And I believe that where she was trying to go was an indictment of one aspect, one specific aspect of the duties that are performed by sideline reporters. And that is the coach interview, coming on the field, going off the field. How many times have we seen that? A million times, right? You watch sports. You wouldn't be listening to me if you didn't watch sports, didn't love sports. Has there been one time where you said, ooh, that was revelatory. I learned something. I, I, I can't believe what the coach told the sideline reporter. It's never that way. It's, it's coaching cliche. It's I'm trying to hustle off the field. We have to be better in X, Y, and Z department. Um, we didn't play well enough in the first half. Um, I was pleased with our offense, but defensively, we got to get stops. I mean, there's nothing new, but it's part of the duties that oftentimes women who have these jobs more than men now. And I want to point out something else. Women have busted their tail to get a foothold in what had always been a, a, a male-dominated world, broadcasting football and basketball and baseball. And that is why this was such an affront to them. And I get it. I completely get it. But the work that they put in, in terms of getting stories during the week, if it's football, from players, from coaches, and trying to help and, and get that weaved into a broadcast, developing relationships with trainers. So when there is an injury on Saturday afternoon, they can go to that trainer and say, hey, what do we have on, you know, Joe Smith who just went out? And they can pass it along and inform the audience. I have great, great respect for those people. And uh, I just thought I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about it. I know we, we live in a world where we want instant condemnation and you, you want heads anytime somebody misspeaks or anybody uh, does something that is you know, looked upon as wrong. Again, in the interest of full disclosure, Carissa's a friend. She's somebody I worked with, and she's somebody I respect a lot. She made a big mistake. But I think if you step back, you see it as a specific area that she was trying to address as opposed to the work of women in particular on the sidelines, because also in that podcast, she went on in detail about how much respect she has for that role and for her sisters, if you will, in that field. I want to make uh, make mention of that. 
Hey, quickly, uh, congrats to Colorado State. They win their fifth game of the year. They do have a chance to be bowl eligible with a win in Hawaii, which is always – it doesn't matter what Hawaii's record is because when they come off to the mainland, they they usually struggle. But in Hawaii, they're a different team, and it's such a difficult trip. The time zones, the, the palm trees, all the things you know. It'll be a tough place for Colorado State to win. Um, but they certainly have a great opportunity, and it would be wonderful to see them uh, get bowl eligible. All right, now to uh, our aforementioned interview with uh, DMAC, uh, another guy that I have great respect for. He's uh, carved out a great career uh, here in Denver. He's provocative on the air. He is uh, well-researched on the air. He uh, can be funny. Um, he is typically going to ask the toughest question in whatever press conference he is a part of. And I think uh, all the fans at home uh, rely on that because many of you say, well, I would ask that if I had the opportunity. Um, DMAC has uh, undergone some changes after a long, long run at uh, the fan, 104.3 The Fan, where uh, we were colleagues uh, about a decade ago for a three-year period. Uh, he was let go. And uh, as talented as he is, he was not on the sideline very long for about three or four minutes, it seems like. And now he's on uh, Altitude Radio. So with that, we'll uh, pick up and uh, have a conversation uh, with a colleague, D-Mac. I think we're recording. We're on the air. Here we go. Yeah. D-Mac is not pumping himself up. This is, this is very <laughs> simply, he's proud of his friend. Because I've done something technically, we think that's going to get us "quote unquote" on the air. I you love look it. a shitload better than me because your <laughs> studio is well lit. My maiden voyage into video is not as pretty because even though I work in television and you work primarily in radio, though yes. you're expanding your 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 whole world. I should know about this. And look, I'm not backlit. I look like crap. Anyway, how you doing, man? Congratulations on everything going on. Hey, Drew. It's awesome. You are a good good friend. You've been a good friend for a long time. And hey, we're we're both trudging into the mire and the muck with all this technology that we're trying to do. But listen, we'll figure it out. We'll hold each other's hand through this yeah. process. And uh, yeah, I appreciate it. it. Now, listen, we've also become <laughs> cliche in this. Everybody now who does what we do regionally, nationally, they all have the bookcase behind them, right? That's and right. May- and That's maybe right. a few pictures. I got the kids up here, you know, maybe uh, maybe an award or two. We look so sophisticated. Uh, yeah, I tell you now, Drew, how many of those books have you actually read? Um, I, you, I do actually. You man, I do. I um. Most of them. I do Good. like to read. Me too. Me too. I do like to read. But not all. So you'd be lying if you said all. But most. I would be I would be lying if I said all. Let me let me look really quickly and tell you a book I haven't read about. <laughs> um I read Colin Powell. Um I read Colin Powell's initial book. Um uh, Stephen King, right there. No Big, thick one. Not a no. Stephen King guy, but it looks impressive though, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. All right, yeah. man. Well, let's go, yeah. buddy. This is awesome. I love being yeah. on with you, man. That's hey, great. you you've you've had a whirlwind. In fact, I ran into you. I mean, I knew it was going on because I, I talked to you right after the the whole thing went down with the fan. You had such yeah. a great run there. Yeah, um, and and then I ran into you. 
was it at the Avs game? And like you were like every we go, I gotta go, I gotta shoot down. You were on the ice. You were you were interviewing fans. I thought you actually at one point opened the thing and went out on the ice when you shouldn't have. There was play going on. It was like a debacle. Well, you you caught me. So so I'm now I'm on altitude ninety two five. And what they do, and they did it with Tyler, Columbus, and me, is we get to be like the star of the day for one Avs game and one Nuggets game. So you just happen to be there the one and only time this will ever happen to me. So so <laughs> it must have looked absurd to you because I was doing on-ice interviews. I was interviewing the little kid. I called the little kid in the hockey, uh, Killer Kowalski. Uh, I was I was on the TV broadcast. I was on the radio broadcast. And they're never going to have me do any of that stuff again. I mean, I'm on the Jumbotron multiple times. No, I'm, I'm happier with the rest of the slovened uh, media uh, dregs that are looking for the free lunch. You know, that's that's what I'm used to, not being spotlighted and highlighted. So all that stuff you saw me do with the Avs, I did that all over again a couple of nights later with the Nuggets, the whole thing all over again. I was banging the drum and on the broadcast. I was on the drum line. I was on the drum line doing the drum stuff there for the Nuggets. So I had two days, Drew, two days where they trotted me out, made a big announcement, made me feel great. They made me feel welcomed. um, And it just so happens you were there that night. Usually, Drew, I got my plate of free food. I'm sitting in the last row, happy as a clam, just watching the games. Yeah, well, that's quite a welcome, Matt. Normally, I get the Matt that says, go away. So uh, that was great. That was awesome. Did you get? To, did you go out with, with Rocky at, at center court and throw it over your head and try to make I, it? I did not, and I did not do the free throw. Uh, somebody else did it. But I did get to bang the drum, the Let's Go Nuggets thing, and my goal was to try to break the drum. I, was, I hit that because I see people just tappy, tippy, tap, yeah. tap. No, no, no. I just, if you see any video or, or, or photos, I, I mean, I was giving it my absolute all. And as a broadcaster, you're going to love this. So it was um, the City Edition Altitude Authentics Night with the new gear. So they said, how about this? Go into the store and pick out whatever you want. Well, I had my eyes on this sweatshirt, and the sweatshirt is awesome. But it's And I love it. I'm glad I have it, but it's super hot, and they wanted me to wear it. So I am sweating my balls off, Drew, doing all these things. And then they go, all right, now you're on TV with Marlo and Scott Hastings. So I go there, and those guys couldn't have been better, and that was so much fun. I had never done that before, Drew, and I know you've done it a million times, but I hadn't done it. And so I go, and I do the whole thing. I have a blast, lots of laughs. I go to take the headphones off. They are dripping with sweat. I mean, Drew, like you can see the sweat dripping literally off the headphones, and I'm like, here you go, Katie, to Katie Wingy, because they were her headphones. They had to use a towel, Drew, to dry them off. And she's holding them like, oh, my God. Right. Then Hastings you- said something funny to me. He goes, I thought for a second about giving her my headset and taking yours. But then I thought, nah. <laughs> Perfect, Scott. Now, if it was Hastings, you wouldn't have felt as bad. Now you're giving it to a, a lady. Yes. And it's just, it's now it was, it's just a mess. It was, in, in terms of disgusting broadcasting things, yeah. This is going to be a tough one to top to give a uh, a fellow broadcaster, a lovely lady, and Katie Wingy, talented, the whole thing, dripping headphones to put back on her head. Yeah, I mean, it bro. was um, 
repulsive, and I, I have apologized to Katie, and she forgave me out of the kindness of her heart. Well, bless bless her heart for doing that, because yes. uh, had it been me, we wouldn't be doing this right now. I'd never. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you ever get? Do you ever get? I mean, do you sweat in your? I don't know. You're 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 pretty fit and cool. It probably doesn't happen. I don't know. No, you know, I'm trying to think back. It is. It, I I don't I I don't recall. You know, because the good thing is, as you know, you've been in our booth. It's it's always open, whether it's yeah. freezing yeah. cold out or if, even in the the heat of the summer. Don't really get the ear sweat going. Where are we? And where are we going with this uh, video cast podcast now? Hey, how now? Yes. Now that you can, you know, take a breath, so to speak, and look back at the last month or two. Mm. Um, and, and I'm I'm not saying this uh, to to knock the fan. It was a great place for you, and, and at one point for me. For a long period, but yeah, you have to feel like re-energized. Is that oh. a, a fair way to describe um, where you are right now? Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely fair. Um, you know, things change. So again, I'm not trying to disparage anybody, and, and but I think it's fair to say just things change. And I wasn't looking to get fired. I didn't want to be fired, and I really did honestly think that I would retire um, uh, as an on-air member of the fan. I think I've got 10 to 15 more great years of energy, excitement, and and I love what I do. I seriously think that's in there. Then I think I probably have a few years after that of just, you know, you know, more part-time stuff, you know, not quite as intense. But I, I really do feel at least 10, if not 15 more years, Drew, and I'm 54, of of really going after it. Like, I have been invigorated once my kids are sort of out of the house and I have such a wonderful wife and I'm in a good spot. So I like doing, I suck at home maintenance. I don't mow my lawn. I don't fix the fence. I don't, I can't, I can't fix anything drew in my house. I have a hard time changing a light bulb. I just like doing stuff. I like being out there. Even living in a house to me is like, I roll my eyes at it. I'd be fine in a van down by the river. As long as I could do what I love doing, which is covering sports and talking about it. So to me, having energy is not a question whatsoever. It's accessibility. And things were changing. Things were changing. Um, and I, I don't want to get into the, to, to the negative stuff. But, and I'm not even saying it's for the best because I had no desire to be fired. That being said, I'm not tired or burned out. Drew, I have more energy than I've ever had because I just love storytelling. And you're a tremendous storyteller. And one of the great things I love about baseball broadcasting is the ability and the time to tell stories. That is why baseball broadcasting, I, I'll just be really honest with you. If I were to do anything else besides what I'm doing, it actually would be your job. I'm not joking about that. Baseball play-by-play. -play. I, I really don't have a desire to do any other form of baseball play-by-play, uh, -play, but I've always wanted to do uh, uh, baseball play-by-play, -play. And, and maybe not so specifically what you do because you're a TV, you do more TV stuff, although you've done a million radio broadcasts, but more like radio um, baseball. I, I would love the opportunity to work on that craft as I get a little bit older because storytelling to me is the essence of what we do. Yeah, uh, I've said this many times, and I, I, I get this question periodically, and that is, what's your favorite sport to do? My mm. favorite sport to do a season of without question, is baseball because the pace of the game, even with yep. the new pitch clock, lends itself to being anecdotal. 
Yeah. And when you can tell a story that you're excited about relating, I know how hard you work. I know how hard you hustle. And when you talk to a, a player in the locker room or around the batting cage or whatever it is, yep. and he tells you this story and you're like, wow, you want to pass it on. It's, yes. it's, it's a natural human instinct, especially for people who do what you and I do. And baseball, more than the other sports, lends itself to that. To finish what I was saying, sure. if people ask me what's you know that question, I would say to do one game, I always say football because football's event-oriented. We're, we're taping this morning. Uh, we watched the Broncos have a terrific win last night at home in a, in a uh, you know, a, a, I don't want to call it thrilling because it wasn't a thrilling game, but it was a <laughs> thrilling finish, if you sure, will. Sure. But, but football is event-oriented. There's only, in college, 12 of them. In the NFL now, there's 17. So you work all week for that one event. But you're absolutely right. Going back to your original point, um, to, to be a storyteller, there is nothing better than baseball. It's easier to fit in the stories. Basketball, typically too fast paced. Yeah. Hockey, forget about it, right? Yeah. Have you ever done hockey? I've done a little bit of hockey. Oh my um, God. What what hockey yeah. games have you done, dude? Well, I fi- I was I filled in on on a, just a couple of occasions. John Kelly got laryngitis a couple times back back in the day when I was doing pre and post game um on the Avs in their in their first heyday we're in the yeah. second heyday if you will um and i did du hockey for a couple of seasons oh my god how did you do, how in the loved. world did you do that i um, mean the abs are hard enough you're doing college hockey college oh hockey god. was hard you got to know du and the body types but again guys oh. are jumping on and off the ice so you know uh you know north dakota state comes in and you're like uh, you know, you, you're trying to learn guys on the fly. And I have mad respect for, oh. for Moj and for Connor, oh. for, for oh. guys that do it and do it well. It, it is the most difficult sport to do of the major sports. Yeah, and I was with them in the broadcast booth just the other night, that night that I saw you. And we're just talking, and then they go back into their play-by-play. I'm like, how the hell are these guys actually doing this? And uh, so I have no desire to do that. <laughs> whatsoever yeah and, and again you you know it's kind of cool a, a quick aside uh you know your son dylan and and my middle son zach are playing together now at webster university oh you got I didn't, you know yeah. this is how this is how non-observant <laughs> i am i was gonna wear some webster shit and i was i i i just ran to the airport and i had to drop <laughs> off michelle and i came back and and i'm, I'm wearing what i'm wearing i'm, I'm I'm trying to get an Under Armour deal, right? <laughs> and you're you're repping your new school. Dylan was at a JC. He was at Northern Colorado originally, yes. And, yes. and and now he's at Webster, and he's playing with Zach, which is yeah. awesome. Yeah. And uh, you didn't even notice I was wearing our Gorlocks hat. No, I wore it on purpose. I, I'm the I'm very I'm not the most <laughs> observant person in the world. In fact, I'm on the short list of most non-observant people. Well, let me tell you a quick quick story. Um, getting fired was hard, really hard. The yep. next weekend was parents weekend and That's we right. weren't, we weren't going to go um, because I just didn't know where I was at in life and what we were doing, nor, nor did I understand how great the Webster university parents weekend actually was. I, I didn't know everything that went into it. So we, I almost didn't even go to that at all. In fact, if I didn't get fired, I don't know if I would have gone. And um, so if you want to talk about some silver linings, 
Um, I needed to get away. I did. I needed to take a little bit of a break before I jumped back into it. And that was happening the next weekend. Andrew, boy, talk about just, it was so great to see you. You were so kind to me. Um, and then, and you're the pipeline at that school to a lot of other Colorado kids. And it was wonderful to meet so many other Colorado parents uh, that, that were there as well. And what a weekend to see the boys play. And your son hits a home run in the game, uh, in the first game that they played in. And there's your son catching. My son's playing second base. Uh, my son's roommate, Carl, who you know, is playing at shortstop. This was, it was awesome, Drew. And then we had the golf tournament the next day. And do you remember what happened Broncos-wise at that golf tournament? Do you remember what was going on at that golf tournament? I'm well. I'm uh, chronologically. Is that was that the seventy point game? That's it. That's exactly what happened. That was that weekend. Wow. That was that weekend. Right yeah. when we thought the the Broncos were just gonna, you know, uh, soil themselves for the rest of the year. That was that weekend that we were out there. So it was kind of karma for me to sort of be away from it, for the Broncos to get destroyed, to sort of find my base again to be amongst people that have similar interests, which you know my my true love is baseball. You know, know that. Know. And um, and I'm a baseball guy. I just don't get to deal with it that often professionally. How ironic is that, right? Yeah. That um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a baseball guy. I love it to my core. Our kids play. They have we've Our kids have been playing against each other for years, by the way, for right. a variety of different teams and a, a variety of different kids. Um, and so for our sons to be together – and to be buddies, and I see the Venmos from the uh, the poker nights, and it's not going in my favor. But we we see what's happening with with Zach Goodman. is he's, he's a card shark, apparently. At least well, that's, what, mean, that's what the Venmo it, account says. All, all, all I can say is that it that it must be, even though he didn't grow up in New York, it must be those old New York roots and his grandfather, uh, who unfortunately passed a couple of years ago who played poker every single day of his life, basically growing up in the Bronx. So I, you know, may, maybe it's in the DNA. I don't know. But I don't know, but I'm, I'm thrilled to be a Gorlock dad. And I hope we spend a bunch. I hope you're going to Florida. Absolutely. To Florida? I won't miss right. it. And yeah, I mean, I know, you know, he's, he's had the good fortune. This is his, you know, a, a kid is like his 20th year of playing college baseball, but it's not <laughs> far behind. Um, we'll have a lot. We'll have a lot of fun with that. Go, go locks and, and good for representing. I, I do have a helmet behind me somewhere up there and, all right, all and right. some other stuff, but you're going to have a blast. Dylan's doing great there. Yeah. And, uh, it, it is a lot of fun. A lot of, a lot of Colorado kids now playing for, uh, you know what the D three power Webster. So, and, and that got my head together, Drew, that got my head together. It's exactly what I needed to stay in the game because this is a tough business that we've chosen. And yeah. I know, I think you'll be fine. Because of what you're going through with the TV stuff with the Rockies, I just inherently think you'll be fine. Um, I think there's anxiety that goes along with change, period. Um, I actually should ask you, I guess. I'll just throw it back at you. As there is a transition in broadcasting the Rockies, um, I, I, maybe I'm I'm interviewing you on your own podcast. But where where does that stand and how are you feeling about things these days? I, you know, I feel good. I, change happens. Um, the RSN business, regional sports networks were a cash cow. And then it turned, I don't want to say abruptly because we, we potentially saw this coming if you're a great visionary in that so many people have cut the cord that it was no longer a cash cow business, couldn't pay the teams, the huge sums of money they were paying them. And so things change. 
Um, I am knock on wood. I, I feel confident. We have a great group um, on air um, oh, and we have a great relationship with the organization and whether it's, you know, where it, where it ends up, if it's MLB um, network, I, I I'm hopeful and I believe we'll all be okay. You know, our on-air family. Um, so that, that's kind of where it is. And, and I think okay. there'll be some more clarity um, or clarity period in the coming weeks. I don't think we're going to go too far into the first part of the year when, when then there's a spring training countdown. As right. So I, I think in the next month, we're really going to have a, you know, a strong idea where it's going to be from a fan standpoint. And I, and I think, you know, by and large, you know, everybody will be okay, but you know, well, I, love your, I love your crew. Listen, if I can be on the avalanche broadcast and I can be on the nuggets broadcast, Drew, there you go. You got to pull me in there at some point. At some there point, you, you got to get me in there to talk a little baseball. At some there point, you, there you go. And absolutely, man. I know. I know. As we talked about it in in your heart of hearts, that's what it's all about. I want to segue quickly sure. uh, to the Broncos. You've covered them for so long. Yep. And and not to just do sports talk. You do that. You do that all day. I, I want to talk more about the business and about personalities and. Um, in your time, has this been the craziest mini turnaround? I, 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 I don't. They're not. They're not going to the Super Bowl. It's not. They've won four in a row as we chat. It's five and five. No one, the most ardent Bronco fan, did not see, especially after that aforementioned seventy-point debacle, saw this coming. I mean, is that is that fair? Well, I'll give you a comparison. Okay, they were one and four when they benched Kyle Orton for Tim Tebow and they finished the season at eight and eight and won the AFC West. And that was the miracle Tebow season that saw them beat the Steelers in overtime with the throw to Demarius Thomas. That magical year started one and four. This season started one and five. So hey, the bro- D-Mac, let me, let me jump in real quick. Cause you have an encyclopedic memory when it comes to these Broncos things. And I think you're absolutely right. I think that season will be more startling because they're doing it in a conventional way. They have a veteran quarterback. They're playing better defense. They have good, they have some good people on defense, but that aside, wasn't there a game DMAC in Kansas city where Tebow had one completion and they two, won two, 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 P- two. Oh, two, two completions. It's my, it's one of my favorite Broncos trivia moments of all time on a couple of levels. First of all, can you name the two receivers that caught passes? Well, I'm going to throw DT out because that would be a natural. Wasn't him. You are correct. He did not catch a pass. Do you know who did? No, I have no shot. Go ahead. Eric Decker caught a pass because it was a touchdown pass. So that's the easy one to remember. It was a long touchdown pass to Eric Decker. The other was Matthew Willis, number 12 out of UCLA, caught like a 12-yard out. So there were, there were, I think he was two of nine. And so there were seven incomplete passes, but the only two guys that caught passes were Decker for a touchdown and Matthew Willis. However, let me tell you, there was a reason why he only threw nine passes, only two completions. It was the only game in which Tim Tebow started for the Broncos that they won and never trailed. That was it. So the reason they were running it so much, Drew, was because they actually had the lead in the entire game. So there was no reason to throw the ball, so they didn't. And that was it. All the other games that he won for the Broncos, he came from behind except for that one. 
the easy and flippant answer is the reason he didn't throw the football is he couldn't throw the football very well. But that well, he could. He, here's what he could do: he could throw the ball like it was like a punt, pass, and kick competition. Oh, like yeah. he, he could throw the ball like far straight. <laughs> that's what he could do. So, and that's what, like the pass to Demarius Thomas against the Steelers. If you think about it, what was it? It was like a a 20 yard crossing pattern, and he just threw it straight. So right. Tebow could see you and throw it straight. You know, you got a shot. And well, in college. He reminds- Listen, he reminds me of, you've coached a lot of baseball. Outfielders, we talk about long on the backside. Well, Chiba wound up long, 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 and then by the time it got in the general direction, there were six DBs there waiting. Yeah, my favorite story is Brady Quinn, who is like a Greek Adonis, who had perfect mechanics with everything. He just couldn't win football games in the NFL. I asked Brady one time, because he had perfect mechanics, Drew. Perfect. Brady Quinn, after practice, would do left handed dropbacks to keep uh, asymmetrical cemetery. I don't know. He, he wanted to keep his body in line. So he didn't want to, he wanted to do some left-handers because it would compensate for the right hand. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's what he would do. Anyways, I asked Quinn, I go, Brady, seriously, how many reps would it take to fix these basic mechanics of Tebow's? And he looks down at me and he goes, thousands. Meaning it's impossible at this level. It's too late. Yeah. Like late. you don't have time to fix them. So you, con- I had a kid really quick on baseball. I had this kid named Nick and Nick was a great kid. This is like uh 13 year olds. Nick had no drew. This was crazy. He would take the ball out and he would throw it from his ear. Like he had none of this, nothing, zero. He couldn't do it. And it was the strangest thing. Like he was just here and then zhuzh. and it was like, it's terrible mechanics. It's definitely not good for the long hand but I just got to win some games now. So what do I do? Do I just try to win with Nick doing that? Or do I, you know, blow everything up in the middle of the season? And I'm like, no, I'll just roll with it. And then I tried to work with Nick in the off season. to, you know, really be able to throw a baseball. And that's kind of what Tebow was too, Drew. It was like too late. It was too late by that time. I have Malcolm Gladwell on my shelf behind me. There you go. 10,000 reps. That's right. Right. 10,000 reps. All right, that'll do it. Big thanks to DMAC for joining me this week and uh, our maiden voyage in video improvements to come down the road. Have a terrific, wonderful, magnificent Thanksgiving with you and yours. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We'll uh, talk next week. Be well. Oh, Todd Helton, candidacy. We'll talk about that uh, next week candidacy for the Hall of Fame. I think this is the year. More on that next week. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Take care. Don't miss next week's episode of the Drew Goodman Podcast and part two of Drew's conversation with DMAC when they talk Sean Payton, Coach Prime, and the minefield of asking questions in a press conference. That's next week on the Drew Goodman Podcast.